Hello, and welcome to Saving People, Queering Things, a Supernatural podcast. We were previously known as Driver Picks the Podcast, and the episode you're about to listen to was recorded under that name. Though our name has changed as of season three, our show hasn't changed that much. Our structure and theme-based discussions are the same, and we're so glad you're here. Now, let's get on the road. Hello, and welcome to Driver Picks the Podcast, the show where we talk about ghosts, road trips, and free will through every episode of the TV series Supernatural. Today, we will be discussing Season 1, Episode 3, Dead in the Water, through the theme of fear. I'm Abigail, your host and former Castiel cosplayer. Joining me today is Rennie, the only other host on this podcast who has actually seen the entire show as much as I have, and who is actually the one responsible for getting me back into watching Supernatural during quarantine. Hi. So glad to it's have fun. you. <laughs> um, yeah, Rennie's actually a huge reason why I started this podcast because we had been having some really fun discussions around season 15 of the show. And I was like, I think this should be something we do on a more, in a more fun format. And thus, this was born. Yeah, we basically have a pod- podcast about Supernatural every time we talk. So we might as well record it. Yeah, that was basically the thing. (laughs) Exactly. Our first segment on this show is our series recap, The Road So Far. And so far, we are on episode three, so there's not a lot that's actually happened yet. We have met Sam and Dean Winchester, the two main characters of this show. We have met their family. We've seen their um, mother, Mary, died when Sam was a baby and Dean was about four. And ever since then, they were hunting with their dad, hunting the whatever killed their mom and hunting other monsters as well. We first meet them in their mid-20s when Sam has been off at college for a number of years and Dean has been hunting with his father and Dean arrives to tell Sam that their father is missing. They hunt together, they return Sam to Stanford, and Sam finds that his girlfriend has also been killed by presumably the same thing that killed their mother, and then Sam and Dean set out on the road to find their father and try out and also hunt down the monster or thing that killed both their mother and Jess, and that's about where we've basically made it to. They've been on one other hunt since they set up on the road together, and that brings us up to speed. So the next thing that we do on this podcast, this is a thing that has both been both loved and hated by my other hosts so far. This is our 30-second recap. This is shamelessly stolen from Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. We're very grateful for it. And basically, we're going to get timed 30 seconds to recap the events of this episode. We'll both get a turn, and we'll see what we can include. Really, you can focus on whatever you want, whatever you think is important. That can be the plot. That can be character arcs. That can be fun moments. Really, there's no right or wrong answer. We'll see how far we get with the content of this episode, Dead in the Water, which is actually one of my um, favorite episodes in season one, I think. Um, There's a lot of really fantastic episodes in this season, but this one is a really early, really strong episode. Would you like to start or would you like me to start? In the, either um, of those I'd like you to start. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what I, <laughs> that's what That's what has been As on the other As a veteran, episode. I feel that you can set the tone for the recap. Yes. Sounds good. One, two, three, go. 
Okay, so um, Dean finds this case of this these people who have been going missing in this lake, and so they arrive at this town and they meet this um, sheriff, and it's very mysterious. They don't know why people have been disappearing. They've dredged the lake. They can't find anyone. Then they um, help this mother and son, and the son won't talk because he saw someone lost in the lake, and then they do a bunch of investigation. They find out that someone drowned um, back years ago, and the ghost has been hunting them ever since, and then they stop it. That was well missing a lot. <laughs> it's in a lot. Well, of you did a good plot over overarching plot one. And now you can fill in maybe some yeah, of the- Mine is not a linear plot one. Oh no, that's good. That's good. I like that. Cause I don't think, I think I want to move away from linear plot ones because I think you tend to actually get everything better. So are you ready? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> On your mark, get set, go. Okay, so in this episode, a random person that they never discuss, a whole family of three, and the sheriff all die in a haunted lake. <laughs> um, the boys solve the mystery with the help of a cute kid. Dean flirts with a girl. Dean is good with kids many times, bonding over watching a parent die, which is the cutest thing to bond over. Um, there's a motif of losing your kids being worse than dying. They're sad because they didn't save everyone. Classic. Dean makes another college day at Sam. Um, there's another bonding moment between Dean and the kid. And then the car drives out of town. Good. So now that we've done our 30 second recap, we will jump right into our theme discussion. So our theme this week is the theme of fear. And so, yeah, my, my question to you is, and my, I've got some notes as well, is where do we see this theme? And then what is this kind of theme telling us about the show in general or even on a bigger scale, what are some of the things we can learn from seeing this theme in this episode? I know you have, yeah. I know you have some notes and thoughts and we talked a little bit about some of them during when we watched it. Yeah, I mean, you can take it from any angle, right? Like you can take fear in terms of the viewer. You can talk about fear in terms of the brothers and what their motivations are and where fear is part of that. And then there's a ton of interesting discussion about fear with the guest stars in this episode, like the, the monster of the week plot um because fear is driving so much of what all of them are doing and so yeah I have a lot of notes I don't know if we'll get to all of them but I did want to start by saying because I think it's funny this episode has always scared me a lot because the monster <laughs> is creepy the monster <laughs> is very creepy yeah and I'm always afraid of deep water something like grabbing your ankle and then the creepy dead kid saying come play with me is like scariest thing ever like that beats you know the vampires and the ghosts and the demons and everything for me that's way scarier <laughs> it's like very under I, I've forgotten how underplayed that moment is in the actual episode like it's just like she she it's just like chills. kind of offhandedly mentioned but it's very creepy yeah very creepy when you see the little when you see the little head at the end yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I always forget how creepy this episode is probably primarily because most of the time I didn't this time, but most of the time, I think I genuinely like skip. Oh yeah, for sure. Earlier death scenes, like the bathtub and the sink death scene, yeah. particularly. I do that They're too. both like kind of grotesque. Yes. So well, in rewatching the show in general, I always skip the death scene before the supernatural. Yeah, same. Um, you know, word comes on the screen because it's always not very relevant to what the boys are going through and that's all I care about. <laughs> and once you know and once you've seen it once you know what it is. You exactly. know like someone has died and the mystery will get That's all you need to know. There. 
it's also yeah. interesting like these the first couple of seasons are so much more that mystery like that's so much more of like yeah. how they're played and even just the total tone of the show of like this sort of gothic americana monster mystery mm-hmm. is kind of the setup for all these which is why you get these like one-off episodes that in some ways we'll talk about this I'm sure some of the continuity of like how monsters work in these first few seasons <laughs> like the monsters in these first couple of seasons are genuinely scarier than a lot of the later monsters oh, even sure. the later monsters are much more powerful yeah it was a horror show it was pitched as a yeah. horror show and when Kripke was the showrunner I think you can see that a lot more and also I think Kim Manners is a director like a yeah. lot of he directed this episode and a lot of his episodes are really creepy I find yeah yeah I think that's really true yeah definitely that element of fear for the view they're meant it's filmed in a way to make the viewer fearful yeah but I think we probably have a lot more notes about oh yeah more interesting yeah anyway go go for it pull go for pulling one of the ones that you had um well it's smaller in the episode so I'll just mention the brothers and like just a little bit of fear that I saw I think it's interesting that they keep having this repetitive argument even though it's only the third season I know or the third episode I know they've already had this argument a few times where Sam wants to be, you know, directly on track to find and kill the monster and find their dad. Um, And Dean is more like, you know, let's be together and hunt and uncover all the the mystery. Like, let's make sure we don't leave, leave no stone unturned. Yeah, exactly. Be more thorough and detailed. But also I think you can just really see that Dean feels comfortable in the life of hunting and that's the what he wants to spend his time on and Sam doesn't really care that much about the week-to-week hunt he just wants to you know kind of check the box I guess at this he point. wants to move the plot forward to like yeah get back to his life but they're so angry at each other about it and I think that anger is rooted in fear they're both afraid for their dad Sam's grief as well um I think is part of that anger and so Dean channels his fear into hunting and Sam channels his fear into like revenge. Um, And that is totally like a recurring theme throughout the whole show. So I just thought that was interesting because you can see that in the little fight that they have in the, I think it's in the diner at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed that because we had talked about last week about the fight they have in, in the Wendigo episode about the same thing about Sam's just like, let's just leave. Let's just go find dad dad's not here let's just go and Mm -hmm. he has to also kind of rein him in and be like um also these people are important like also this situation is important also we want to finish this job but I think that like we talked about belonging last week and about how like Dean belongs in this hunting world and Sam doesn't he belongs Mm. in this very specific hunt to find their dad but not really in the hunting world at large yet and that I think also is based in in fear is like he has already lost so much and yeah he's afraid to lose his identity I think I think like, oh I think he's so. worked so hard to separate himself and his identity from his family and he's afraid of losing that yeah and, and every, it turns into anger and revenge yeah and every yeah. time the hunt gets prolonged every time the hunt is about the hunt and not about finding their dad he's then forced to kind of reckon with like who who am I who am I in this scenario but this is kind of a side note, but I also, it, I found it interesting that 
he is so attentive and like soft with strangers that he's helping Mm -hmm. um and he even though it's dean that's forcing him to do these hunts at this point it's sam who's like you know really sweet and they're the he's the approachable one and he's the one that you know the 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 people who are grieving want to talk to more and it's so interesting to me that he puts on that front for this for these strangers even though he doesn't really want to be there yeah he only shows that with dean with dean he's like this angry kid still which is Um, interesting when you think about their sort of like roles which i wonder also might tie well a little bit indirectly to a thing that we both pointed out when we were watching which was that like sam has this incredulity around dean's interaction with the kid like at the beginning he's like you know dean has the moment with the kid when he meets the kid and then he tries to hit on andrea the mom and it doesn't mm-hmm. go well. She like reads him a hundred percent for what he's doing and is like, yeah, that's not going to work. And then Sam laughs at him and is like, is like, how many kids do you even know? And, yeah. and that comes up over and over again, where Sam's a little bit like, incre- like incredulous that Dean is so good with this kid, which I had to laugh at because like, who raised you, Sam? Like literally as a child, <laughs> Dean raised he's you, so. the first person who should know how good Dean is with kids <laughs> yeah but I also wonder too about that because what made me think of that in this scenario was the sort of like roles they find themselves in like I think mm. Dean is because he's very comfortable in the hunting world he doesn't have to kind of refigure out his role there but they are figuring refiguring out their roles with each other yep. because they haven't been together for so long and so Sam falls into this like Sam sometimes falls into this kind of like surly, grumpy, teenagery sort of like, mm, I don't really know why I'm here. And like, why do we have to do all these things? Like, why do we have to do, which is really interesting and is coming out of also, like, I think his projecting, his not knowing what to do in this world and also his like fear of losing his own identity. So like, he's got to have this, resi- he's got this resistance built up mm-hmm. towards anything hunting related that you kind of feels like probably was the case when they were in those last few years before Sam went off to Stanford. But I also noticed that, um, you know, he's kind of fake with everybody else, right? Like yeah. he's not acting the way that he's feeling, but with Dean, even though they've spent so many years apart at this point um, and they're such different people and he's tried so hard to create this different identity, he feels at home and comfortable with Dean. Like it's built into him inherently because Dean raised him. So he is able to be that angry kid with him. He has yeah. room to do that. He's safe to do that. He's not yeah. afraid to be no. himself with you. He lets down that guard. Cool. And also, yeah, exactly. and he also like pays attention, like as much as he seems a little oblivious to like Dean's actual hunting skill set, he also like is paying a lot of attention to Dean in mm-hmm. terms of like the questions Dean's asking of people and like the like he listens to Dean's expertise. And he also is paying attention to like when Dean has the conversation with Lucas and Dean tells Lucas about Mary and about how he felt when, when he lost his mom and about how he learned to be brave. And, and, and then Sam brings it up later when they're sitting in the car and asks him about it and just like, you know, reflects on the fact that they've never talked about it. Like he's paying attention to, because mm-hmm. Dean is his, like, they are safe with each other and they both know that and even the fact that like up to them, I think I think he still mm-hmm. looks up to him even though he doesn't w- want to do what he's doing 
Yeah. And, and, and even like Dean also, like Dean also trusts Sam and feels at home with him because he's Mm -hmm. like, he, he would never, and this is also, I think going to be something we're going to continue to see where like, sometimes Dean will say things to someone else that like often to like someone they're helping on a hunt Mm -hmm. where he's able to be more emotionally honest about his experiences and his traumas than he is directly with Sam. Like he wouldn't have had this conversation with Sam because of a lot of different reasons, but he's, he has this conversation with this kid, but he knows Sam's hearing it. Like he knows Sam's there. Yeah. He's triangulating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very much. So like, you know, like I think he's glad that Sam knows that about him because he, I think Dean also wants Sam to know the reason that he's so committed to the hunt is not not just revenge based like it was for John because I think that's a lot of why Sam left was because Sam was like tired of being part of John's revenge mission and Dean's like that's not what I that's not why I'm after like but ironically that is why Sam's doing (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. yes because I think yeah I think for both John and Sam their desire to hunt at the beginning of particularly for Sam is based in fear and revenge yes for Dean it's not it's based more on I think family ties and I think wanting to save other people from his and and wanting to like protect other people from having that same from the trauma that he experienced yeah which he even like says sorry go ahead no I even think he even like he demonstrates and kind of says that straight up in this episode and in the Wendigo episode yeah totally and he um Oh, I forgot what I was going to say. Sorry. No, it's fine. Um, oh, yeah, I think Dean has this really heavy sense of responsibility that also, um, you know, tracks throughout the whole series. And you can see it in this episode. He's really tied to Lucas and the kid. And he's Instantly. really, you know, because he knows the trauma this kid has been through. Um. And that kind of takes me to my next note, actually, about fear is that I think it's so interesting that Dean and Lucas, which is kind of the heart of this episode, um, the thing they bond over is their trauma, that they both saw a parent die um, as a kid. And that is, it kind of makes me think of fear through the lens of like connection. Mm. Um, They have that fear and that pain in common um and you know Lucas is so afraid of it happening again happening to his mom or happening to him that he can't speak and you know that's real visceral fear and very very normal trauma response for a kid and Dean immediately recognizes that and well actually not immediately the second time that he sees Lucas he says as soon as Lucas as soon as he knows that Lucas that that's why like as soon as yes, Andrea yeah. has said, is it Andrea that tells? No, as soon as they've um, looked no, they it up, find and it as soon online. as they find it, yeah, as soon as they find it online, that's when he says, he says, I wrote it and he wrote, no wonder the kid was so freaked out, like watching a parent die. Yeah. He like says those words. And then inst- the next time they see the kid, he instantly is like, doesn't, he doesn't, like previously he only pays attention really to Andrea. He says hi to the kid and then he pays attention to Andrea. As soon as he knows it's about the kid, he like switches gears and is like, oh, that's the person that, that's the person that we really, really need to protect. Yeah, and and that can help too. Mm-hmm. Like he he knows Lucas knows something. Anyway, yeah, I think 
um, that shared fear is really interesting as like kind of the core of the episode. And then, you know, the thing that thing that frees Lucas from that fear is that the truth comes out. Mm-hmm. And the um, truth is, comes out because he's able to know that he'll be believed. Cause like mm-hmm. one of the things Dean, I wrote down too, was that Dean says like, I want you to know that I will like, like, I'm going to believe you like that, well, that like yeah. whatever you saw, like I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to you like he's gonna he believes he doesn't ever try and say to Lucas that there isn't anything to be afraid of or that his fear isn't important or that his fear is real like he just he he's like no you're scared you saw a parent die of course you're scared like Mm -hmm. if you tell me what's happening I can help I I'll believe you yeah yeah he he knows that it's common with what they deal with the supernatural creatures that people are afraid that they won't be believed which is another form of fear Mm -hmm. is that fear of like social um mocking (laughs) i guess and so dean's protecting him from that too yeah and that's another thing that connects them of like that's the other thing that actually fits into the heart of this episode which becomes their bond because their bond is the only reason they're able to solve this case the only reason yeah like otherwise, realistically, if it's they right don't have this, the town and save Andrea. The question I had that mm-hmm. is not specifically related to fear, but is related to a little bit of a continuity thing of, so they have the Sam and Dean have the conversation right after they get the first picture. They have the conversation about like how does Lucas know what's happening? Like some people after a traumatic event have psychic yep. abilities, some, and they never actually go back to how Lucas actually knows. So I'm wondering if you have a- A theory? A theory, if you have any theories on like, like is, or, like, or is, Luke, is Lucas a little bit psychic and we just don't really get follow-up on it? Well, Lucas was on the floating dock for two hours before he was rescued after his dad died. So I, and, and then at the end, you see the kid when he, um, when he pulls uh, the sheriff down into the lake. So I think Lucas saw him. So I think that Lucas knows who it is, um, whether he recognized it from his grandpa's yearbook photos, uh, recognized the kid from there and like put it together. I, I don't know, he's he's not too young to be able to do that. No, um, then the, the, where, how does he, this doesn't really fully explain where he got, how he knows where the bike is. Yeah, that stuff, I think, yeah, we, I guess we assume that he's a little psychic. And yeah. I, I think the fact that he's not speaking maybe ties into that actually is, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, maybe it's implied that because he's not focusing on communicating, he's able to kind of tap into. Ooh, I like that. The air. I don't know. Yeah, I kind of like that. Like he's able to sort of see beyond the natural into sort of the supernatural explanation yeah. because he is bec- almost because he's which is almost because of his trauma response because he's so locked in to that fear experience to that like trauma he's not he's not able to fully he's not fully grieving it because no, he's just he like locked maybe. reliving it he can't mm-hmm. get past that but because he can't get past that he's then maybe able to see access what's going on in a way that like no one else can even though there are other people in this story who 
could presumably have and and at least one other character who does figure it out so like that's actually another note I had in terms of fear was like when the father the father of the two uh, early victims Bill Bill Carlton when he is on the dock after his son has also died and he's kind of muttering about basically indicating that he knows like that he's like he knows that something is after him mm-hmm. and we know that he would know what he's figured that he's like he's put all the pieces together whether or not he's entirely figured out what kind of monster it is like he's put all those pieces together and he doesn't actually show a strong indicator of fear and I found that really interesting like the que- the connection of like fear is often connected to things that are like unknown or like not fully known but he like presumably there's some fear but he's not really showing it like mostly the emotion that we're getting from him is like grief for his kids grief for his own choices mm-hmm. grief for like the inevitable fact that he's going to die but then he like drives his boat right out like knowing what's going to happen and I wonder if the reason he's not afraid is because he knows, because he, that unknown factor has been taken out and he's also hopeless. Like he doesn't have anything. The, yeah. fear, has, the fear has already like taken away everything meaningful to him. Whereas for Lucas, I, Lucas is still so afraid because he still has everything to lose. Totally. I wrote about that too. And I just wrote grief overrides fear, question mark. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I wonder if, it's his loss that makes him not afraid of sacrificing himself. Yeah. Um, he knows it'll appease the ghost. Yeah. And so I think maybe he's trying to be noble, you know, mm-hmm. and sacrifice himself to protect other people. Um, Which is the yeah, same but- with the grandfather at the, same with the grand, Lucas's grandfather at the end, where he does seem afraid, but his protective, his, 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 his like, almost, yeah, his grief and his, acknowledgement of his guilt has kind of overridden the fear yeah and his you're right his protection instincts as well I think you know he would rather that he die than his daughter and he doesn't make that connection until like he doesn't actually make that switch to really seeming to take it seriously until it's actively like there's active danger like his fear is mostly centered on like what's going to happen to me and again, yeah. on his own guilt up Makes until the point. Like, well, yeah. And I actually also had a question with, with about the sheriff. So when he originally, when, once he figures out Sam and Dean are not wildlife service and he is like, you got two choices, I arrest you or you leave. And he doesn't, he, I found it really interesting that he plays up this anger at them, this frustration at them, but asks them so few questions about why they're really there. Like he doesn't have, he doesn't Mm. like, and I wondered if that was also related to fear is that he is afraid that if he asks any questions that he'll find out that they know more like about the truth. Maybe he's already suspicious. Maybe he's already feeling guilty, whether or not he has made the connection between like Peter, that between the kid that he killed and this ghost, he still knows that like there should be, or there was 30 years ago, a body in the lake because yeah. of his actions. And I wonder if he's afraid of that coming out. And that's why he, like, I couldn't figure out any other reasons that he would not ask them any follow-up questions. 
Like he would just yeah. be like, leave. I don't want to hear anything more. I just want you to leave. Like, I don't want to know why you're really here. Well, in that anger that he has, it's a little bit kind of an echo of the anger that comes later when he pulls the gun on the boys because he's afraid of the truth coming out. And they're literally telling him what happened and he's denying it. And he's saying, um, he's calling them insane liars. And even with Andrew right there. The truth. Yeah. Even with it, even once he's admitted that what he did, he's still not willing to admit that there's a possible consequence in terms of this monster. Yeah, and that that fear of his own like reputation, I guess probably especially as the sheriff of the town, to be fair. I wonder um, if it's also about the consequences too. Like, like I wonder if it's maybe, it's probably somewhat about reputation, but I wonder if it's also about yeah. if he admits that this, has, that his actions have like created this monster, then he's not only responsible for this one death and he's not only going to lose his reputation, but he's also responsible for like all of the deaths that have come afterwards. Oh, good point. Yeah. And that's like a horrific weight of consequences. Yeah. Totally. And, and he's yeah, afraid of, he's afraid totally of good. being responsible for all of that. Like, you know, which is, a, which is fair. Yeah. And he talks about, he says, we were so scared when he's talking about um, yeah. why they kept it a secret as kids their fear of the truth kept them in this yeah. like prison of secrecy for, you know, 40 years or whatever it yeah. was. And, and, and you can see his grief when he admits that, when he admits that it was because they were afraid because he recognizes yeah. now that like they were afraid and the kid that they killed was afraid and that fear has really created this whole thing has happened because they were they made, they made like violent choices. And then every choice they made after that was based in fear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Question for you. Mm -hmm. We talked about um, when we weren't recording, we were talking about how we really both like Andrea as a guest star. I really like her as a character in this episode. I think she's really, she, I don't know. She just adds a lot to it. Mm -hmm. And as you were talking about how Bill Carlton didn't seem afraid, it also struck me, Andrea didn't really seem afraid. She had lost her husband, who, by the way, I realized I forgot in my recap. He was also somebody that died. <laughs> she <laughs> lost her husband. Her kid's not speaking from the trauma. You know, she knows that there's still, like, they haven't figured out what's happening and there's people that are still dying. She's not afraid, you know, she's only afraid when her life's threatened in the bathtub. But other than that, she's really chill the whole episode. Yeah. And I wonder why, I wonder if her protective parent instincts are stronger than her fear. I, I think it's that. I think it's also that like she doesn't, like connecting to like fear is often when there's something unknown. And yes, there's been a lot of unexplained deaths, but in some ways, if you don't believe in the supernatural, all of those are kind of explainable. Like the girl right. swimming, like her husband, like fluke, fluke drowning. Oh. And, and Lucas hasn't talked since that kind of makes sense. The girl that died drowned, like was out swimming. And again, it doesn't make sense that she would have drowned, but like accidents happen. The kid in the sink doesn't, kid make, the sink sense. doesn't make sense, but also wouldn't seem connected in any way. Except true, that true. it happened at a similar time. And then the, the the father like driving his boat out and it flipping and him dying, like a guy that's like just lost his whole family mm -hmm. is, you know, maybe seems like more of a, like he responded out of grief 
and it's a little bit almost like he was not wanting to survive it and so I think almost I wonder if like part of the reason she's so chill is because she's just trying to like find a way to move on with their lives like she's just trying to like care for her kid until eventually he hopefully speaks again and she's almost trying to like protect against anything else happening by not like she doesn't want to be involved in in knowing what's happening (laughs) until 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 it seems like there's a connection to her family that actually puts them actively in danger but until they're actively in danger I think she just wants to like be able to help her son recover from the trauma yeah yeah good point I agree (laughs) she's a but yeah I really really love her as a character like I think part of it is part of why we love her is probably that you know she's very centered and um kind of grounded in the episode and she kind of is the glue (laughs) and she doesn't make we'll have lots of other episodes where we'll talk about like people making really bad decisions when they're in danger to like not protect people that are younger and and or more vulnerable and she like makes all the right decisions based on the information she has when she doesn't know about the supernatural she still makes sure that like lucas is not around for conversations that could be traumatizing to him she makes sure that when there is any potential danger that he's out of the way she like doesn't even the fact that she doesn't immediately let sam and dean talk to lucas is like a good parent instinct like she doesn't just let these like strange even the pharaoh from the authority she doesn't immediately she's like i don't want to traumatize him again Mm -hmm. like she's a good she's a very good mom (laughs) yeah and then at the end um you know her mom instinct when lucas is in the lake is to jump in and get him and sam tells her no you're gonna die too you need to stay on the dock and she does yeah she trusts them she trusts him but also she she knows that's in that it's in Lucas's best interest that she's alive for him. Yeah. You know? yeah, that she gives him the best possible chance that she knows there are already two stronger swimmers in the lake, presumably. Yeah. And yeah. she, yeah, she just, she, yeah, and like when she knows, she acts based on the information she has in the smartest possible ways. Totally. And, but all, and all in the self, all in the interest of her son. And that's a really beautiful, a very beautiful response to fear. Like even, when she's yeah. afraid, her response is like measured and centered. Yeah. Um, another thing that I was thinking, sorry. No, no, go ahead. One thing I was thinking earlier that I also thought about when it came to the connection between Dean and Lucas is we're only in episode three. And so we're only two episodes away from, um, from the pilot and the whether or not this is an intentional choice to try and mirror a little bit, but like the Lucas is a kid that looks a lot like the actor that they have play who plays young Dean in the pilot, who plays like four-year-old Dean in the pilot. They have very similar features. They're both like kind of dirty blonde, long hair. Lucas is like a few years older. Lucas is probably more like seven or eight yeah but they're very similar in features and I I've always wondered if that was you know an intentional casting choice because they're really trying to to remind us of like because there's so much I mean honestly like in terms of like what's happening in the story Lucas's story and Dean's story are like coincidentally similar but in terms of like the writer's design of this season Hmm. so much everything of like why Lucas exists in this season is so that we get this ability like opportunity to get to know 
Dean on a more deeper level yeah. and get to know who he is and what his experiences have been. And Lucas shows us that as he kind of mirrors Dean and allows Dean to kind of even remember yeah. what he was like. And I've always just kind of wondered how much of that was intentional. That's cool. I also think Lucas shows us that because it's the first time we see Dean and how well he interacts with kids and how much he really wants to protect them and this instinct that he has. And that, you know, again, that comes up throughout the series. And um, it's something that, you know, as fans, we all love about him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and it really shows, I think, just so much of who he is as a person that, like, you know, no matter what mission he's on at the moment, he will always stop and take care of the kid in the vicinity. Yeah. Um, or the, even just the younger person, like later it's teenagers too, that he's older yeah. than them. And um, he just, I think that instinct of protecting Sam that was so drilled into him when he was a kid mm -hmm. growing up, it's just, it just never leaves. And yeah. it's and cool. And Sam develops too. And Sam yeah. kind of develops, develops it too, I think, watching him. Later. Because mm -hmm. you'll see, we'll also see, have some really great episodes where, where Sam is also kind of intentionally takes the most vulnerable person or the youngest person in yeah. a scenario and will like walk them through this is what's going on this is what's going to happen this is how we're going to protect you but I would credit Dean with teaching yeah. him oh yeah for sure teaching him he doesn't on. do that in the beginning <laughs> no no because he's, he's right now he's very focused on he is the kid he still is the kid I think at the beginning yeah. of the show oh oh very much so mm -hmm. well, very much so. well I also think that like it's interesting when you're thinking about fear and, and Dean with his instincts with kids particularly and Lucas in particular of like when they almost leave when the sheriff tells them sorry okay. when the sheriff tells them like leave or I'll arrest you they mm -hmm. almost leave and Sam actually doesn't seem to like Sam seems to be Sam's like not so recent hunting instincts are that like job seems to be done and also I don't want to stay so I'm looking for reasons for the job to be done. And Dean's instinct is to follow. And like, it's specifically the reason he has that instinct is because of Lucas's fear. Cause he even says like, the mm -hmm. kid was still like, I don't feel like this job is done because Lucas is still afraid. Like he follows that. He follows the instinct of a child's fear and goes, we can't leave because I don't feel like everyone is safe yet. And at the end, you know, they, he's sad that they didn't save everyone because so many people died, but that is the reason that they did save Andrea and Lucas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and those two people wouldn't be alive if they hadn't gone back based on that fear and that instinct that Dean had. Mm -hmm. The only other um, kind of fear reading that I had was that the ghost is afraid and that's why he's attacking because his oh. lake is draining. Um, oh, I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah, yeah, it just struck me when they were talking about how the lake was draining. I was like, oh, the ghost is losing his power um, and his home, I guess. And he, you know, he's a he's a ghost, so he's screwed up, but he's also just a little kid um, yeah. still. And so kind of perpetually a little kid. Yeah, and stuck in the, and stuck in the trauma, like he's stuck, stuck in, in the fear. lake, in, he's stuck in the fear and in the lake that he drowned in exactly and this lake know, is disappearing like his only his only existence is disappearing exactly and so that is why all the attacks are happening it's the fear that's driving it and I think you know it would be interesting to 
look for all the times that the monster is the monster of the episode because of fear because mm-hmm. it's probably pretty frequent <laughs> i think we'll have to i think that's something we should definitely pay attention to because yeah i think we're gonna see that a lot i do too in some i think of the more lot. interesting monsters i think the totally. best monsters are, are like well i think most Monst- of the best monsters are ones that have like a motivation yeah. even if the ch- decisions that they make that make the monsters are harmful the reasons are often starting with fear, especially when it comes to, I think when it comes to a lot of like ghosts and spirits that we'll meet because they do start as humans. And I think there's a conversation, this isn't really a future season spoiler, but there's a conversation. Yeah, oh, there's, they have a number of conversations. There's a conversation in 15 with a character who I won't name because it would be a spoiler um, where like they talk about how like, if a spirit isn't put to rest, like if a spirit is stuck on earth and stuck like the spirit is in the water, that they often do eventually become vengeful just because they're they're stuck in that loop of like reliving their own death, reliving their own. And they're not, you know, they're in between. They're not, they haven't been, they're not at rest. They're not in heaven or hell. They're just stuck. Stuck in fear. Stuck in, fe- stuck in fear forever and then that's often what turns um you know ghosts into like vengeful spirits who actually then become violent um which is probably the last thing I wanted to say about fear was basically just that question of like you know in this episode we see like what does fear make you like fear always invites some kind of response when it comes to your character and your actions and we see kind of the full range we see characters who become angry and vengeful we see characters who become really really stuck and like mobile and we see characters who become like protective and like better and courageous and Dean even talks about Dean even very directly draws that line of like I was afraid and bravery is the choice that yeah like that made me I, I chose to be brave thought that was interesting I think we're gonna see that a lot in the show I think we're gonna see that a lot in the show of like what people's response to fear is yeah totally and how the boys um how their response to fear kind of ebbs and flows as the show goes Mm -hmm. on and what (laughs) which fears push them to anger and revenge and which fears push them to bravery because I think oh yeah for Dean um if somebody innocent is threatened I think that fear pushes him to protection and bravery like we see in this episode but if he loses a family member (laughs) the fear of that loss pushes him to anger and revenge and makes him insane yeah and we're Um, gonna see we're gonna see that and Sam kind of you know the fear of losing his identity and his oh his yeah and his normalcy um pushes him to anger and revenge right and he doesn't they kind really, of flipped a little it's they're kind of flipped although i mean Not sam fully. gets really vengeful when Dean um is in danger i won't spoil anything <laughs> um, <laughs> i think hopefully probably most people who are listening to this are gonna know they would know the show but yeah yeah. does do that sometimes but not always Dean is really consistent with that Sam isn't it's sometimes sometimes he's vengeful when Dean's not okay sometimes he's not sometimes he's really protective and brave and he does the right thing yeah 
it's an interesting thread to follow. I think this is probably yeah. a theme that we'll use again. It would be an interesting theme to use again in a future episode. Totally. We've got a bit and to be able to build on some of these questions that the show is asking because the question show is asking these questions, I think. Oh yeah, for sure. And I like that. Cool. Is there anything else you wanted to say in relation to the theme? No, that was all. Cool. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> we talked all my notes too. Cool. cool. That'll be the end of our theme discussion segment. All right, counters. Yes. So our this next segment that we do is one that's currently we're calling just our counters segment. If we come up with a better name, we hopefully will at some point. Um, that one's not super catchy. And basically, this is where we're keeping track of different elements of the show that we find either insightful or just entertaining. So um, what I'll do for this is I will kind of explain what the counter is and if you want to update us on what we're adding to it from this episode. Sure, sounds great. Okay, so our first counter is the major character death counter. So just tracking um, any important characters. And by that, we're defining them as characters who are significant to the story, regardless of how much they've appeared. So we are currently at two for this counter, and those that two is Mary and Jess, even though we've only seen them very, very briefly, but they're significant to the story. Yeah, and I would say that this episode doesn't have any of those. Yeah. 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 We're never, we're not going to see any of these one-off characters again. No. Unfortunately, because they're wonderful. Yeah, it would be cool if we saw Lucas when he was older, but... Especially if he does have, you know, like, psychic power. It would be really cool if it... Yeah, totally. That, you know, like... But maybe that kind of answers that question. And maybe he was only kind of vaguely psychic for this one scenario. Our second test is the Bechdel test. And for those of you who are not aware, the Bechdel test is a very low bar um, way of talking about how a piece of media presents and um, is in terms of its female characters and its representation. And it's an incredibly low bar. So to pass the Bechdel test, a piece of media needs to have two named female characters who talk to each other about something that is not a man. Currently, so, our Bechdel test is at zero from the first two episodes. That continues in this one for sure. We've there are three female characters. One of them is a hot waitress and one of them dies after about 30 seconds and the other one only talks to men. So... Uh, we're not doing so well. We didn't think this was going to, we thought this was going to take a while. I, it's a little depressing. That, I mean, there's two males as the lead of the show and they were supposed to be kind of the only cast. So yeah. It makes and, sense. and yeah. And to be fair, like in both the pilot and Wendigo and this episode, the entire cast in any of these episodes is very small. Even the, the, the main plot characters. I mean, it's definitely still, lopsided like we're probably getting we're getting like two-thirds male like if you take out sam and dean from the equation you're getting two-thirds male to one-third female but in most of these episodes maybe yeah maybe three quarters but there's not generally been more than like four kind of one-off characters in any of these episodes really so far and usually one of them's a girl yeah usually one of them's a girl yeah so yeah but one quarter (laughs) not great Okay, our third counter is actually a locations counter. So I grew up in the Pacific Northwest in the Vancouver area where much of Supernatural was filmed. And so quite often in watching, I will notice locations that I've been to or that are familiar to me. 
And since one of the other hosts on this show is my sister, who also grew up in that same area, we both have some locations we've been to. So we're going to be fun to keep track of that. Our other hosts are not from the area. Yeah. So we're just kind of keeping track of locations we've either been to or, or really recognize. We Right now we have a counter of one for that. I'm actually going to add two more to that counter today. So the church that they go to is a church in Ladner. I have driven by it before. I've not been inside, but I've driven by it. It's familiar to me. Um, but the location that I'm very familiar with from this episode is actually the lake. So this is a a lake called Bunsen Lake. It's um, in the area that I grew up in. I actually have uh, did an engagement shoot um, for some friends of mine at this lake. So right on the dock where you get some of the really melancholy scenes of them looking out over the water where this monster is. Um, I've taken some sparklers and waved them around and took pictures of my friends. <laughs> so it's, it's very different sort of mood, but kind of fun. And it's a beautiful lake. Like this, this episode really highlights its kind of moodiness and it's very like mistiness. And it's, it is, it is as pretty as it looks in the show. Cool. Okay. So in this episode, Abigail and I decided that we're going to introduce a new counter, um, which is the pop culture and references that are the fake names that Sam and Dean always use when they're um, talking to law enforcement or whatever authority figure is relevant in the episode and they're pretending to be the other authority figures. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, they always use like rock band names or actor names or they make references to, yeah, pop culture. So um, in the first episode, it's Mulder and Scully, correct? Yes, it is. That they yeah. use, yeah. And then I think you were going to look back on Wendigo because we don't know what it was off the top of my head. Yeah, I haven't looked in Wendigo. I need to check and see. So I'll, we'll give an update on that one. And then in this one, what is it? It's um, Ford and Hamill. Oh. Which is really cute. That's Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill. That's a Star Wars reference. Again, very topical. (laughs) And probably was Sam's choice, not Dean's. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> well, depends because depends when they made these IDs too. Because if these IDs are oh, that's a good point. Either they're either new IDs that they've like just made, or they're old IDs from when I Sam was like eighteen. Be... I was just so, going to say that reference in the pilot kicks off um, the self awareness of supernatural, which yes. continues to be a really fun theme in the show. Which I think as we, I think we'll probably end up talking about those, some of those references when we get to the pop culture, a little pop culture segment. Um, so our last segment is our kind of predictions and hopes segment. Obviously, uh, Rennie and I have both seen the show backwards and forwards several times. So we know what's coming, but we kind of wanted to talk a little bit about what we're excited for going forward, as we know, um, based on kind of some of the discussion that we've had. What are we excited from what we know is coming? What are we hoping to explore more? I think like you, we, you probably agree with me that the best part of this episode is Dean and Lucas. And, um, you know, as I will just say now, since I'm going to be in a few of these and I, it's going to need to be established. I really love Dean. (laughs) (laughs) I think Um, the fact that we talked about him mostly in this episode. Well, he's kind of, he's a little more prominent in this episode too. Yeah. It is obvious through what I pick up on and uh, care about. Um, I just think he's a really uh, 
well played by Jensen Ackles and well written um, and well developed character with a lot of layers and nuance and I just think it's really interesting and you can say the same about Sam I think he's a really great character too I have nothing against him I just feel kind of connected with the character of Dean I guess um I relate to him in a lot of ways which I'm sure we'll get into much much later in the series yeah um anyway so in this episode that's the thing that I really like about it the most is his empathy and intuition um and his ability to kind of to use his own trauma which usually he's very avoidant of um to connect with this kid and he's willing to go back into that pain and as you pointed out when we were watching it the moment when he's talking about um when his mom died when he was four Jensen played that really beautifully even though he was a young actor he really tapped into like the pain of of that moment in his life Mm -hmm. um and how hard it is for him to talk about it but he was willing to talk about it with Lucas and so I think just that part of his character I'm really looking forward to exploring in this podcast because it comes up a lot and like we were saying earlier it's the thing that you know he raised Sam (laughs) um he was his guardian and like parental figure mom dad and brother (laughs) um and he yeah, he has that sense of responsibility for everyone else. And I relate to that. <laughs> so it'll be fun to explore yes. in the future. Yes, yeah. that actually leads into like one of the things I'm excited for, which like you mentioned, like Dean is often quite like reluctant to talk about his feelings or talk about his past. But I think one of the things I'm excited is that even in these first three episodes, we've seen a lot more openness than I sometimes think about when I think about his character. And I'm excited to explore that kind of character arc for him of how openness and honesty and like vulnerability ebbs and flows in his character and how that sort of tracks with like his growth in his relationships, particularly obviously in his relationship with Sam, but also with some other key characters that we're going to see later of how he builds those trusting relationships and those emotionally vulnerable relationships. Um, because I think there's a lot of really cool stuff there. And that's a lot of stuff that I've also found really personally meaningful in yep, his character same. arc. <laughs> and I'm excited to like be paying attention to it kind of linearly um, yeah. and to be paying attention to it um, as it's developing, not just looking at the series as a whole, but looking at it from the beginning. Because I'm cool. really excited to see that. I'm also really excited to see um, sort of Sam, like to pay attention to Sam's character arc as he grows specifically growing into his role as a leader in the hunting world oh, which yeah. is going to be a arc that's going to go the whole 15 se- seasons but we see now some of the tensions of like Sam really doesn't want to be a part of this world and we're going to see that sort of change for him and the push and pull of that and I'm excited to see that piece of like there's lots of really cool stuff about Sam's character that we'll get to but I'm excited to see that piece specifically play out yeah, Sam's identity journey is really cool. Um, and it's a very prominent thing in these first few episodes is him and his wrestling with his identity and, you know, wanting to live a quote, normal life. <laughs> um, and so he, yeah, that's a really cool um, theme that I'm excited to explore is Sam's identity journey. 
And then also, I think like what we were talking about, about fear, like I think tracking fear through the show is going to be interesting kind of on a broader scale, obviously not episodically, but yeah, the fear that play, what role fear plays in the villains, what role it plays with the boys and their dynamic with each other and with the people around them. Um, I think that is a really interesting, important and major theme of the show. Yeah. Yeah. Fear, themes of fear and family and free will are all like three themes that we're going to track a ton. Yes. And I think that will be a theme that we'll hopefully use as a big picture one, but also come back to this theme of fear episodically every so often and see what more we get from it. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. I just, I really like this episode. I think Me too. it's a really good establishing episode for both boys, the dynamic they have with each other. And, you know, it kind of sets the tone for a lot of the themes and questions that they explore yeah. throughout the show. It's really yeah, it's, good. it sets the tone for, I think, this is a really good example of what the best monster of the week episodes will do. Like this oh. one does not, this, this episode does not drive the overarching, overarching plot forward in any way, <laughs> but it does drive the character arcs forward. And I think the strongest one-off episodes in the show are going to do that. And this is like a really, this is probably the first really good example of that. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining me, Rennie. Yeah, I just wanted to thank you for having me. I'm really excited about this podcast that you're doing and excited to be part of it. And yeah, we love Supernatural and all the deep things that it brings up in us. So <laughs> it'll be fun to explore it in this context. So thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks so much for joining me and for inspiring this whole thing. So <laughs> so fun to have you and can't wait for next time. Thanks for being my Supernatural buddy and making me feel less weird about my obsession. <laughs> <laughs> We have both indulged each other's obsession over the pandemic, and it is fun to now turn that into a creative project. So thank you, everyone, to anyone who is listening, and hope you are also enjoying exploration of the show. And we will talk to you next time. A note to our listeners. This episode was recorded prior to our season three name change, where we went from Driver Picks the Podcast to Saving People, Queering Things. For all of our new social media platforms, visit queeringthingspodcast.com.